thirds of the way through the New Testament, there's a little book that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. So we're going to read today from Philippians chapter 4. If you would stand with me in honor, once again, of God's word, we'll read the verses 4 through 7 of Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, what a, what a week it's been in our, in our world and in our nation and even in our own community. We've quickly learned new vocabulary that maybe we didn't know before and, and new terminology such as COVID-19. What in the world is that? Everybody knows, right? Or the words, an abundance of caution. I don't know how many times I've said that this week. Um, Everybody's saying that, right? Especially politicians, everybody. Uh, words like close contact, what exactly does that mean? Social distancing. Believe it or not, we're going to actually talk about this morning in this very sermon. How you can honor Jesus by social distancing. And then a term that we saw in the paper, um, and maybe we weren't thrilled to see, but we saw it anyway, that said ground zero for coronavirus. So it's been a hard week for us. Our, our sister has struggled to breathe. Her immune system struggling to fight off a virus that has no known medical cure. Some of you uh, who are watching right now have voluntarily entered the uncertainty of self-quarantine out of love for our community. Even though you weren't feeling badly at all, you were willing when you were called on Sunday or Monday or whenever by, the, by our um, local county's uh, extension of the Florida Department of, of Health. And they asked you to go into quarantine for 14 days from the last date of exposure to our sister. And you immediately did it. Everybody immediately did it. And I, I praise God for your selflessness. Some of you in this room have faced some social rejection this week and even been ostracized at work since our church was labeled ground zero for coronavirus. And I've heard some of your stories. And I just want to say, church, that I am very proud of you. I'm proud of how you have responded to this trial with self-control and with faith and especially with love. This week I have heard stories of church members who've been stigmatized online and at work and in one case on the golf course and have responded with grace. Um, I'm, I, I gotta just give a quick shout out for our staff. Uh, two of our staff members um, were in a meeting two weeks ago with our sister and so have been in quarantine this last week. Uh, and, and, and so I've had the joy this week of working with a smaller staff. And I just got to say, um, Denise and Jennifer 
are awesome at answering phones. There have been a lot of phone calls this week, lots of them. They are, they've been even keeled. They've been uh, trophies of grace and truth. I've just been so proud of them, listening to them this week. Um, Bob Hurley, let me tell you, that guy um, has cleaned this place. Um, and and um, he has gone all in. And even his dear wife showed up on Friday to give him a hand. Um, they have wiped this place. I think we've killed 20 years of, of germs, all right. Um, I about was having to wear a mask just from all the chemicals, right? Let me tell you. Um, I've been so proud of our, of our staff and, and their grace and just their joy. I've heard stories of people bringing meal after meal to front porches and even flowers and cards. Stories that exemplify 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's who we're, we are and who we're to be. So my prayer for our church family is that one day we'll be known in our community, not as ground zero for the coronavirus, that, that's going to pass pretty quick, but ground zero for the gospel. Ground zero for the gospel. That's not to say that we're more gospel-centric or more faithful to the gospel than any other church in our community, but my prayer is that we would be known as ground zero for the gospel in our community and around the world. So this morning, that's the sermon title, Ground Zero for the Gospel. That's who we are. And so I want to break this into three uh, sections. Um, and the first is ground zero for joy. The second, and I'm, I'm letting you who are looking at your listening guide fill in your blanks. Uh, for you who are online this morning or watching from home, I've kept it simple. Um, there's just three main points. And I'll tell you right now, ground zero for joy, ground zero for reasonableness, and ground zero for Peace, joy, reasonableness, and peace. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This passage that, that I felt the Lord lead my heart to for us this morning is really one of my favorite texts of the Bible. I know a number of you have memorized this. But Paul tells us that we should be people of joy. That's why I pray that this will be ground zero for joy, even in a trial, even in a pandemic. He says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So even in, the, in a storm, we Christians can and should have joy. Let me give you three reasons for that. First of all, even in the storm, God is still on the throne, right? He is sovereign. Secondly, he invites you to intimacy with himself. Oftentimes, Uncertainty and, and fear can help lead the Christian, push the Christian, as it were, into intimacy with God. Because we recognize we're not in control. We're not the master of our fate. He is. And let me, before we move to our, well, I'll just give you a third one here. And that is, we have the promise of heaven. That's where our stock has got to be. That's where our hope is, right? I mean, Niceville is a beautiful place. I mean, I love our community. Uh, the beaches of Destin are my favorite in the world, okay? And I've had the chance to see a lot of beaches around the world. Um, I love this place. But you know what? This is not heaven. One day God is going to remake the earth and there will be no more viruses. There will be no more bacteria. There will be no more curse of creation. No more storm. 
No more conflict within the animal kingdom and no more sin in our own hearts, right? And I look for, that's where we, the Christian, is to put our stock. And so we're to be, we are pilgrims in this world, in this life, and heaven is our home. And so we have that promise, whether there's a, a virus lurking or not. So turn with me, if you will, to Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91, which is just one of the beautiful psalms that talk about God as a refuge and a, and a fortress in a storm or in an emergency. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpents will trample, you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know, the worst disease that lurks right now in our society is not COVID-19. COVID-19 is a, a mean disease. I could name several things, though, that are worse. One would be fear itself, right? Or the spirit of fear that would cause people to act in non-Christian ways. And, and we as Christians need to especially guard against that spirit of fear. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Okay? But there's a, there's a far worse disease than the coronavirus in our own culture. There's certainly worse diseases that have been out there. They're out there in the world that are killing way more people. Diseases like malaria, right? Um, um, uh, diseases like Ebola that pops up and, and mortality rates are more like 70 to 80 percent, okay? Um, but there's a disease right among us that is far worse and more fearful than the coronavirus, and that would be the disease of sin. Because that, that sin separates us from a holy God. A God who made us, a God who, who loves us, who actually designed each of us specially to have a relationship with Him. And that disease is actually inside every human being. It's a disease of rebellion. Telling God that we don't want Him to be God, we want to be God. And as such, we harm one another. And we even harm 
God himself. And if God had just left us alone as a, as a, as a, as a, um, as a people with this disease, it would have taken us straight to death. In fact, the Bible says, as we have covered in our journey through Romans, that the wages of sin is death. But it tells us that the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, entered into our world, our diseased world. He was the only human being to not catch the pandemic of sin. But that doesn't mean it was easy. Okay, he, he, he had to slug through life as a Christian. I'm sorry, not as a Christian, as a human, right? Suffering along with us and showing us how to have a relationship with God, how to please God. But then he willingly allowed himself to be crucified on a Roman cross by sinful people, malicious people, both Romans and Jews that rejected him. Though he was their Messiah, he was rejected. Though he was the Son of God, he was nailed to a cross where he suffocated. A very painful death, but one that he had come to die. It was his mission, that death, that he came to give himself for us. For John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so the offer of salvation, which is really rescue from a dreaded disease that is taking us all towards the grave. And the truth is that one day... Every one of us is going to be killed by some kind of a disease, okay? Unless Jesus comes back first. That we just have to kind of keep these things in context, right? I mean, old age kills no one. Heart failure kills people. Cancer kills people, right? Uh, viruses kill people. Bacteria kills people. So every one of us, unless Jesus comes back first, which would be awesome, Every one of us will eventually succumb to some kind of a disease. But for the person who is trusting in Jesus, whose faith is in Christ, they, 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 they are rescued from the greatest disease of sin. And instead of eternal damnation, eternal death, look forward to eternal life with Christ, with God, in a new heavens and a new earth, which is going to be far more majestic than anything you can imagine. Far more beautiful than the most beautiful day at the Destin Beach. Um, I, I think it's going to include things like, you might think I'm crazy here, interplanetary travel and interstellar travel. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to include um, constant discovery, okay, and adventure and worship. And I'll tell you, the center of it all will be God himself. You would have to hold us back from just wanting to worship him forever. Because that is how great he is. Every little good thing that we discover that we give our worship to in this life is just a signpost towards that thing that the Bible calls heaven. Okay, that's what we look forward to if your faith is in Jesus. And so we have as Christians the promise of heaven. We're going to get there in a little while, but Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that, that whoever confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord and believes in their heart that that God has raised him from the dead, will be saved. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, so maybe you're in this room and you've actually never truly called on the name of the Lord 
and truly put your faith in Jesus. Okay, or maybe you're, you're watching this uh, on TV right now or on your computer right now. And you, you have never truly recognized the sovereignty of God and the reality of your sin before a holy God. And you've never truly bowed before the cross of Jesus and, and just yielded your life to him and said, save me. Today could be the day of your salvation. And the Lord could actually use this plague that, we're, that we want to do all in our power to help stop from spreading, right? A, a horrible thing, this coronavirus, God could use that to, to give you salvation. God specializes in bringing good even out of evil. So I pray that we will remember and that we will be filled with the joy of an intimate walk with the Lord even in days of, of, of hardship and days of uncertainty. And, and I pray that you will all keep your mind on heaven even during these, these days. And this will even remind you that, that heaven is your hope. You see, we've been blessed with a beautiful place to live in a wonderful community that has in some ways insulated us from the realities of suffering in this world. So I pray that God will give you joy, that we will be ground zero for joy, even in hardship in our community. I also pray that we will be ground zero for reasonableness, for reasonableness, for being rational. Okay, I have a mug here that says, keep calm and carry on. Now, I picked this up when we lived in London and... I have an, another mug that says, now panic and freak out. <laughs> this morning, um, I asked Beth if she could grab this mug, and she says, well, you want the other one? I, you know, I, I, don't think she, I think she thought I had left this one somewhere. And she said, you want the one that says, now panic and freak out? And I said, no, I, th today I'm going to drink out of this one here. Um, keep calm and carry on. I have another one that says, keep calm and carry concealed. We Americans like to put our spin on things, right? But you know, where this mug came from, the, the saying came from World War II from the, the London Blitz, in which really it was, a, it was a dark time in Britain, particularly in London, because Hitler was, was daily sending um, you know, bombing runs, uh, buzz bombs over across really not a, a, a pretty, pretty narrow channel of water with London in its sights. Okay? And so, so the, the mantra was, hey, keep calm and carry on. Let's not panic and freak out. In fact, Everyone during that time on the street knew each other's names and everybody had a job to do. My son, Tim, you're in the sermon. I wasn't planning on it, but you're in the sermon. My son, Tim, would have had a job to do. Everyone kept tabs on each other and, and cared for each other. And so, they, you know, when there was, a, when there was a, a bombing raid, they didn't all stand out there and, and you know, and raise their fists to the bombs. No, they jumped in their bomb shelters, right? They took precautions. But as soon as the threat was gone, they, they popped up and, and did what had to be done to take care of each other. So they, they kept calm and carry on. So that's what Philippians means here. Philippians 4, 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord, the Lord is at hand. Don't panic. Yes, there is a virus lurking. Yes, stock market this last week crashed. Yes, they've restricted all kinds of travel and we're probably going to see more. Yes, they even canceled March Madness. I've got to get over that for a minute here. But, but, we read Psalm 46 already this morning, right? Has the earth melted yet? Have the mountains 
crumbled into the sea. You know, are the, are the nations raging? Well, maybe they are a little bit, but they've been doing that for a long time, right? So nothing new there. Um, you know, even if all these things happened, even if we saw just the earth, you know, splitting and, and, and just, just awful things, we, know, we can know that God is still sovereign over all, and so we can be still. And, and we can know that God will be exalted among the nations. And if you know God, that's your passion, that he's going to be exalted here and among the nations. And so this is part of his plan. He's going to be exalted among the nations. So we don't have to panic and freak out. Job said, even in the midst of his great affliction of health, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. So reasonableness means that we don't panic, but we don't also stick our head in the sand and pretend that everything's okay. Ah, it's all a conspiracy theory, right? Wrong. Wrong. That's a bad witness. Reasonableness means that we do our best to follow the guidance of the CDC instead of CNN, by the way. Not in my notes. CDC, not CNN, right? Facts. Facts. And our local authorities. For us, that, that means following the guidance of the Okaloosa County Department of Health. And I have to say that these folks this week have kept calm and carried on. Okay, they have done a great job. I am very grateful. I've had the chance to be on the phone with them, uh, getting guidance, asking questions. They have been wonderful. Uh, they have been professional. They have been compassionate. And, and I hope that if you get a chance, uh, at some point, you will express your appreciation to our, to our county health department. Uh, these folks have just done a really, really wonderful job thus far. And their job could get harder. Uh, let's pray for them. But you might want to think about dropping them a note or if there's anything that the Lord would bring to mind to help you express our appreciation to them. This would be a great group of folks as well as really our entire medical community. You know, I think of Dr. Joshua this morning. He's, he's on the front lines of this right now in an emergency room, working in the ER up in, up in Crestview, right? Um, our doctors and nurses who are ready to risk their lives to care for the sick. Praise God for them. Let's, let's support them during this time. I um, posted an article this morning uh, written by a physician named Dr. Catherine Butler. Um, and so she wrote an article entitled uh, Neighbor Love in the Era of COVID-19. Uh, the Gospel Coalition, uh, Together for the Gospel, had it on their site. It's worth your read. So if you just go to our church's uh, Facebook page, you'll see that link. Um, Neighbor Love in the Era of COVID-19. And, and to sum up, I'm not going to read it to you, but to sum up, as Christians, part of being reasonable is that we should be the first to ask the question, what is the best thing for everybody, not just for myself, with how I react to this virus? Well, that clearly means we should not be the hoarders of resources. Okay? Um, I have no idea if they have toilet paper today at Walmart, but I don't want to see any of you with a shopping cart full of toilet paper. Right? You don't need... 20 rolls of toilet paper. I hope you don't need 20 rolls of toilet paper. Okay. Uh, let's not be the hoarders of resources like hand sanitizer or masks, right? We, we, we don't rush for unnecessary COVID-19 tests because we want people 
who really need them to be able to get access to them. Now, it sounds like our government is working hard to try to provide more of these tests and to do it, have them more available in an expeditious manner. But we really need to follow the guidance of the CDC and our county health department and not everybody rush to grab tests because what we're doing then is out of selfishness, keeping people who really need them from being able to get them. So we don't want to swamp our health care delivery system, right? And that means being reasonable and, and loving means if you start to get some kind of symptom you're worried about, you should call ahead to your doctor, like Dr. Josh said last week. Don't just rush into the ER thinking about yourself only, right? Don't just go into a doctor's office if you think you might actually have coronavirus and you have the symptoms. Call ahead because they need to be able to protect the folks in the waiting room and, and everybody else, our medical providers, so that if it comes to it, they can provide a long-term um, uh, solution in, in care uh, for our community, right? So we don't want to, we, we want to love by putting others first and thinking about everyone. So call ahead to your doctor if you have any concern or, or question. But the bottom line is that we, especially we Christians, but we citizens need to protect our neighbors by even being willing to deny ourselves some freedom for a time. And, th and this is, this concern with this particular virus is especially because of the vulnerability of the elderly to it, okay? If you're young, if you happen to catch this, it might be like the flu, it might not even be as bad as the flu for you, but you can certainly transmit this. Someone who's older has a much higher chance of getting severely ill and, and possibly having it kill them. So we don't want to overwhelm our health delivery system or, um, or, or uh, be a part of transmitting this virus to other people that could then pass on to the elderly. So we want to do all our power uh, in, in reasonable measures, right, as Christians to love others by denying ourselves maybe some of the, the freedoms that we have. So our job as, as citizens and as Christians is to do what maybe you've heard in the last 48 hours, some of the um, infectious disease specialists and the epidemiologists talk about the bell curve, okay? Uh, the fact is that that the cases that are being diagnosed every day are increasing, right? So no one thinks that we've hit the top of the curve, right? And at some point in every state, uh, if that bell gets too high, the healthcare delivery system could be swamped and it could become a real, a real healthcare crisis. And so on the front end of this, especially in our community, on the front end of this, we want to adapt our posture, how we do business every day, so as to help flatten that curve. Okay, and so, I mean, they're, they're, they're giving biblical principles right now uh, through the news. I mean, public health people are talking about the need for us to deny ourselves some of our freedoms. And we Christians should be the people leading out front in that. So please, um, don't mock the concept of social distancing. Okay, I mean, this is just brand new. They've just been talking about this for a couple days now. All right? Um, and, and what they talk about is maybe, you know, six feet is not exact. Obviously, if you're outside, it's not as big a deal because there's a lot of, you know, fresh air. Um, one of the reasons that we felt we were being responsible by, by meeting together is we, we knew that we'd have less than 250 people. Right now, that is the CDC guideline for Florida. CDC is asking for no gatherings larger than 250 people. We knew that we would have under that. And we knew that we had a big room that was designed for about six or 700 people, okay? But, and we knew that you would be responsible in how you would sit. 
But as you go around uh, right now for these next couple weeks, think about not getting too close to others, not because you're afraid of them, okay, but because you love them. And you love the people that might be in their networks of, of people, right? So we need to not be hugging one another right now or even shaking hands. That might sound crazy or draconian, okay? Uh, last week, Dr. Josh and I talked about that. Um, we were like, hey, you can do toe taps if you want. You know, you can do, you can do fist bumps. Uh, I told Bart he got a fist bump. That's kind of, like, kind of like intimate contact right now, you know. A lot of people are just doing elbows or just saying, hey, how's it going, right? Um, by the way, last week, I got it wrong. Uh, Josh and I were, were talking about the Wano greeting, right? Turns out that was the Egyptian greeting. We'd gone to Egypt a couple years earlier, right? The, the, the wilds were looking at me like, what are you talking about? You know, we, we like snap fingers like this, you know? And, and so that, you know, they don't knock each other. If you happen to go on the off chance to Wano land, um, please don't go, you know, knock into a guy. That, that might not go well for, for him or you, right? Um, so, um, yeah, you got to learn how to do this cool snap, which isn't a good idea right now, Okay. So what we want to do to love one another, because truly shaking hands is a great way to pass along viruses. All right? We, we want to just adapt a new posture, especially right now we're on the front end in our, in our, in our, in our county. And I hope that we'll never, that, you know, we'll never like shoot up here. But we could. So we need to lead out as good citizens and, good, and, and as Christians by just adapting a new posture. Now, that's not absolute. Yesterday I met a guy. Uh, he was actually a half Dutch and half Northern Georgian. <laughs> Interesting combination, right? He was actually kind of coughing a little bit. And I'm trying to talk to him, and I'm actually trying to witness to him a little bit. And, and he re at the end of our conversation, he reached out his hand. And in that context, I decided it was better just to shake his hand than to make him feel like a leper. So you know what? I shook his hand, and then I went right away, and I found a, a sink, and I washed my hands. And I didn't touch anything else, any other part of my body. So what we want is people to, to, to stay as healthy as possible, not only for your good, but for our whole community's good, particularly the elderly among us, okay? And those who may be vulnerable to, to lung diseases among us. It's love. It's community love. And this is what Christians are great at. That means taking time to wash your hands. Uh, you might think, oh, I don't, I don't got time for that. Well, you know what? You do. Less TV, more time washing your hands. That is part of actually loving people. To take those 20 seconds that they say with warm water, kids, and to wash your hands well and often. This is no longer just something your mom says that you yawn at. This is something the President of the United States and your pastor is talking about, so this is important. Okay, you need to wash your hands. And you've heard you can sing the ABCs. Well, I, I found out yesterday that you can sing the doxology. That's about 20 seconds. Okay, so you can actually worship Christ as you wash your hands. And maybe most important, most important here would be if you are sick, if you're, even maybe it's a cold and you're coughing and you think that's no big deal, I don't got time for this. You know what? Don't go to work. Don't come to church. Okay, don't go to public places if you are sick. This is a way for you to love others, to deny yourself some of your freedom, to love other people. Don't do it. Okay, if there's a question, don't do it. Just stay, stay home. Now, I want you to um, realize, I want to make one more point under reasonableness. Okay, we need to realize that each of us live in slightly different contexts. So that means that 
that we need to have a lot of grace for each other. Okay? So we need to um, not, like, like, let me give you an example here. Um, some of you have been called by God to stay at home right now and to watch this online. Okay? And, and so we should not, those who are in this room, should not consider them the ones who are fearful. And if you're at home right now watching this, you should not consider the people who are in this room reckless or unloving. Does that make sense? We have to extend a lot of grace because we're all in, di we have, we're in different situations. So some folks have compromised immune systems or are elderly or, or actually um, you know, not feeling great. You really should not be here right now. Others are, are you know, really concerned for the well-being of our community and, and, and you don't want to, you know, you, you don't, you're, you're listening to the CDC, you don't want to go anywhere where there's a group of people. Okay? And, and those who are in this room um, are, are here because they love Christ and, and they love our community. So we need to, and, and they're, they're sitting, you know, responsibly, they're, they're not touching each other, they're not shaking each other's hands or hugging after the service. Okay, but we need to, um, we need to have gracious attitudes towards one another. God has called some people to be in this room. So grace to all. And we need to have the same kind of attitude to churches. There are some churches in our town that canceled all services today. Other churches like, like us have, have said, okay, we're going you know, out, 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 you know, to to be careful with this. We're going to have no um, Sunday school, no other events where the kids are, you know, all are mixing it up. Um, but, but we're going to all meet together and then we're going to just play it week by week, okay, like, like what we're doing right now. Okay, well, one church isn't being reckless and the other church fearful. Okay, all are trying to love the Lord and love our community. So we need to be sure to be people of grace towards one another. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. May we be ground zero for reasonableness. And third, may we be ground zero for peace. You know, this is a time in which it's easy to get anxious. One of the articles that we uh, posted this last week for you to read used the example of a shark fin of fear. You know, you only see that fin kind of darting around in the water. You don't really know what lurks underneath, okay? And when there's the, the unknown often creates fear. And here's what we need to remember. First of all, we know him who is in control of all things. And we're gonna get through this together. We're gonna get through this. Remember the instructions of Jesus in Matthew 6, 25. Feel free to turn there if you like with me. He said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? All those unknowns, right? For the Gentiles seek after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So right now, we, we don't know what next week's going to look like uh, in our town or in our country, in our world. But God knows. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So get up each day with the knowledge that the Lord has given you and make the best, most God-honoring decisions you can make with what he's shown you. And take one time at a day at a time and keep calm and carry on. Now, you know, one, one area where I found this difficult is when it comes to contingency planning. And I mean, perf- uh, I mean personally. Okay, when, when you are, and I, I used to have to do a lot of this when I was overseas, particularly in Afghanistan for a number of years. You have to imagine the worst case scenario so that you can plan for it. Okay? And, and so even we, even we elders have to do that, have to think through, um, okay, if things go in this direction, what do we do? Okay, so that you can plan for it. But it's important to quickly come back to reality and not live in an extrapolation of reality. Does that make sense? We can all do that. We can all, we can all be involved in, you know, kind of imagining false realities. Maybe it's because we're, we're doing some contingency planning and, and it's okay to do it as a family, you, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, fire awareness or, you know, you know hurricane awareness. We, we stock up in advance. But you don't want to live there in a false reality where you're living in a worst case scenario, which is not reality. Okay? And so, you know, we've got to come back to Jesus' principle of sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Paul wrote the Philippians in verse 6 and said, do not be anxious about anything. You can calmly, reasonably, even joyfully plan for bad situations that could come. Okay, and, and react with as, as in, in kinetic environments as things change. And yet not become anxious. Anxiety is what we have to fight. And so truly, as a nation, not only as a church or a community, but as a nation right now, far more damaging, I believe, even to the physical health, not just the economic health or the moral fabric of our nation, but I think even to the physical health of our country is that we not give in to the spirit of fear. Or anxiety. So do not be anxious, he says, about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What what a promise. Peace. Peace even in a storm. Peace even in a pandemic. Well, how do we get that peace? Well, it's through prayer. Praying about everything, not just the consequential things that seem huge, but even the, the little things, taking them to the Lord. I, I pray that you will live in an attitude of prayer this week. And then he says, with supplication. That means to, to let your requests, your prayer requests be made known to God. Be, be specific. He knows what they are, but you need to share with him. Those specific requests. It's a way for us to come back under the umbrella of dependency on a sovereign and loving God. And then notice the words here in our text, with thanksgiving. You know, thanksgiving is our secret weapon against anxiety. It reminds us of how God has provided us and delivered us 
in the past. And so it's so easy when you're thinking about the what ifs and, and the future to, to really get spun up. But when we stop and we look back at God's faithfulness in history, in our own life experiences, how he has, things look really bad and yet God delivered us, it, it reminds us that he is with us and that he is good. And for some of you maybe who, who right now, I mean, you've been sitting at home for a week, not able to leave the room, right, or leave the house at least, or at least the yard. Um, and, and, you, you know, you've been in quarantine and maybe the walls have closed in on you. Um, be thankful that you're in quarantine in the United States of America, in, in Niceville, right? Not in like North Dakota. That would really be a drag. No offense if you're from up there. Um, or, you know, Afghanistan. You're in Niceville. We have clean water. You can just turn on the faucet and clean water comes out. You can put an online, uh, you know, order in at Walmart and it shows up at your, your doorstep. You know, you can turn on the TV and stream a thousand movies, right? Um, we, we have a lot to be thankful for, even just physically. Far more, you have his word to read. You can pick up your, your phone and you can call another brother or sister and offer encouragement to them. You can FaceTime. You know, you can, we can still have unity together even if we're in some kind of a quarantined type situation. Now you may ask yourself, is it really possible to live in peace this week, not knowing what's coming? Well, let's remember Paul's situation in Rome when he wrote this. Mamertine prison, most, most likely, right? He wasn't in Rome sipping a cappuccino, um, eating gelato. Maybe he was in a similar situation. I mean, Rome right now is a tough place, right? Businesses are shuttered. People are scared to go out in the streets. Well, he was in a Roman prison awaiting word on a possible death sentence from Caesar. But he was experiencing this peace that he writes about. It's a peace that only God can give that transcends human understanding. Doesn't even make sense to the situation. He can give that peace. And God wants to give it to you, Christian. So reject anxiety. Go quickly to prayer and be thankful. Dr. Miguel Nunez is a board-certified um, physician in internal medicine and in infectious diseases. He taught for a number of years at Mount Sinai School of Medicine. But he's also a pastor. He's a doctorate in ministry from Southern Seminary. He wrote an article uh, that was also, I think, published by the, the uh, Gospel Coalition this week. And he wrote this. He said, without a doubt, we must be prudent and responsible, both in observing the recommended measures and also in maintaining our health. The world population seems to be in panic. But for Christians, it's important to emphasize that there's no reason to experience such anxiety, especially when we consider that the God of the heavens and the earth is the same God who controls every microbe, atom, or molecule. This is a good time for Christians to demonstrate sanity, peace, and hope, recognizing that our lives do not depend on the entry of a microorganism into our bodies. Instead, it depends on the God who determines the beginning and the end of our history on earth. The Apostle Paul calls us not to be anxious for anything. We can call Christians to peace in the worst circumstances because of God's sovereign control over his creation. So let's end our time together. And let me encourage you at home. Um, does, does anybody remember what our word for the year is? Boldly. If you want to say it grammatically properly, you can say boldness. Boldly. 
So I want you at home to do something that might be boldly for you, okay? I want you to sing with us. I mean that. I'm talking to you. Everybody, let's stand and close by singing the doxology together. And if you're at home, you sing too. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.